everyone. Here we are again, steeping in the word together. Today, in Romans 8 through 17, we have a great bit of material to look at here in the text. I want to start by reminding us of last week. The reason we're here in this podcast is so that we might know who Jesus is and what he's done for us, and in turn, who we are and how we're supposed to live in God's world. But the purpose of the church is not just disseminating knowledge and pouring stuff into our brains. Uh, Jesus preached, but he called people to die. He called people to pick up their cross and bear their cross and die to their old lives and follow him. So this podcast, I want to remind you, is not church. Uh, Ten years ago, it would have been hard for us to believe that people were thinking of themselves as attending church online. But here we have to be reminded that church is much more than what we listen to. The preaching of the church should facilitate discipleship. This podcast is not church. What I want it to be, uh, and what I, I pray for, is that it would be a tool to drive us into discipleship and deeper thinking about Christ. So maybe the best way to use this podcast is to gather your friends together and and, uh, think about what you're hearing and discussing it together, or at least um, using it to start new conversations and thoughts in your own life so that you might be discipled or disciple someone else better. And that's actually kind of what verses 8 through 15 are about. I'm just going to read those real quick, and then we'll get into the other half of this podcast. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Verse 9, For God is my witness, for whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation to both Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Just a quick side note. Rome, being the center of the known world at the time this, this letter was written, was a perfect place for Paul to preach from, or anybody to preach from. Uh, you know, the saying goes, all roads lead to Rome. Well, the inverse is true. Uh, all roads lead out of Rome. So if the gospel is a strong presence in Rome, then it will spread quickly in Acts. The pattern is the gospel will be spread from Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria into the ends of the earth. The Roman Christians are perfect people to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth, and they won't even have to leave Rome. Lots of people come through Rome and they can preach the gospel to them and they'll be carrying it on. Just like uh, Philip uh, preached to the Ethiopian eunuch in in Acts and uh, 
he went back to Ethiopia, presumably, and started uh, a church there. So uh, just a side note, uh, Rome is a really strategic location here for the gospel uh, to, to grow in. But Paul is primarily concerned here in this section that people might be encouraged. He wants people to be encouraged by his faith, and he wants to be encouraged by their faith. Paul is seeking comfort from the Romans. As a pastor, it is hard to hear difficult news. There are many things. Uh, there are many things that come up throughout the week. Uh, there's the the physical and emotional suffering, and then there's the spiritual attacks, and there is lots of uh, evil that that sneaks into the church through discontent. And this is just everywhere. This isn't specific to any any location. But Paul knows that if he comes to the Romans, their faith will be encouraging because they're not weak Christians. They have to be encouraged in the gospel, and he needs encouragement too. But they're not weak Christians. They know their faith will get them into a lot of trouble. But it's worth to have the faith that leads to eternal life. So Paul's longing to go to Rome is so that people might be encouraged. He himself might be encouraged. So as we uh, look around our world and look around our church, maybe instead of looking around and telling other people what they should be doing, we should be encouraging them and doing the things that we would like others to do. That's what Jesus talks about as the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Your actions shouldn't be governed by how the church is going. It should be governed by your Savior. We are under obligation to both Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. It doesn't matter who we are around. We're supposed to preach the same gospel, and we're supposed to be eager to preach that gospel anywhere we go. The second section here is really the heart of Romans. We mentioned last week that this passage, uh, verses 16 through 17 in Romans 1 here, is what brought Luther to a saving knowledge of who his Savior was. This is the heartbeat of the Christian life. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. I think what we need to focus on here primarily is verse 17 to understand a little bit of the surrounding context here. Luther struggled with righteousness, and this is, this is not unique to Luther, but he struggled with the idea of righteousness and how he might appear righteous before God. His guilt was constantly weighing him down. But when he read this verse, he wanted to know what it meant that this righteousness is revealed from faith for faith. So as he looked at this, he realized that this righteousness isn't something found in men. It's the righteousness indeed of God. And how it is revealed is from faith. The way we are righteous before God is by faith. From faith, we receive righteousness. If we look at God and we know that he has righteousness, and we look at our own hearts, we can be assured that we do not have righteousness in ourselves. And that's what the remaining bit of Romans 1 is about, as we'll look at next week. 
but from faith we might receive the righteousness of God. For faith. We have faith when God breathes into us life. We open our eyes and realize that we have been living an incomplete life. As uh, Ephesians says, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. But this life was, was cursed, and it was not indeed life. But we have faith. What that means is to realize that God is the righteous one, and only he can grant us righteousness. And that faith is for faith. We might grow into more faith. A lot of people say, well, you just need to have more faith. I think that's a completely wrong idea. Jesus talks about the grain of mustard that grows into a great plant. It only takes a little faith in God for a great faith to grow. From faith, for faith means that God gives us a little faith so that we might grow to know him more and more and more. Now we can back up and look at verse 16 a little bit. Knowing that our righteousness is only our righteousness by faith, we understand what verse 16 says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. 1 Corinthians talks about people who look at the gospel who aren't believers and have no faith. And it is foolishness. Without faith, the gospel does not make sense. He's not ashamed of the gospel because of his faith. He understands that it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. There is nothing else in the Christian life but to trust God for his provision. He has this weird bit here about to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What does he mean by that? Does that mean that if we all line up, the Jews get to go first and that the Greeks are second-class Christians? Uh, I don't think that's what he means. If you read through the rest of Romans, you're going to see that the Jews have always had access to this saving faith, to put their trust in God. Abraham put his trust in God, his faith in God. He threw all that he had into the pot. He pushed all the coins in. And Abraham was, of course, a Jew. He was the father of many nations, but the father of the Jewish nation primarily, right? So when it says the Jew first, Paul, being a Jew, knows that the Jews have had this precious scripture that says, the righteous shall live by faith for the last thousands of years. But then he says, and also to the Greek. God does not forget. This bit of news is wonderful for us. We are indeed mostly Gentiles. So Romans is going to be showing us that the entire Christian life is summed up by faith in Christ. All things flow from faith for faith so that we might know and trust God moment by moment, second by second, more and more. For that is indeed all we have. Faith is the sum of our life. And we will not find righteousness or joy or peace anywhere else but in the saving, powerful blood of Jesus Christ. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for calling us your children. Thank you for giving us 
a faith that saves, a faith that is powerful, and a faith that is not just a marker in the sands of time, but a faith that grows and will continue to grow and will be fully realized when we get to heaven and see all of your glory. Father, as we, as we struggle through all of the pains and cares of life, emotional and physical and, and spiritual, help us to hold on to the faith that is powerful. Thank you for the faith that leads to more faith, to more trust, to more knowledge of you. Help us to rejoice in you and seek your counsel in all things. Thank you for letting us steep together in your word so that we might look more like you. We praise you and we know that we can only pray because you have given us this faith to believe in your son and his great work on the cross. Cause us now to hold this in our hearts, meditate, think, and rest upon who you are. Amen.